A little girl was lying there. People all were sleeping, weeping. They just laughed at Jesus when he said she's only sleeping. As he took her by the hand, she began to live again. Some began to praise the Lord, and some began to sing. He's in the house, death has to flee. Now there is life where darkness used to be. Now there is hope, there's no more doubt. Praise His name, praise His name, He's in the house. We were like that little girl, dead in all our sins, till Jesus touched this heart of mine and gave me life again. I am just a house of clay, but ever since that blessed day, there's a light that shines in me for all the world to see. He's in the house, death has to flee, now there is life where darkness used to be. Now there is hope, there's no more doubt, praise His name, praise His name, He's in the house, death has to flee, now there is life, where darkness used to be, now there is If I could say one thing uh, just before we start, uh, I spent 27 hours straight with Howell night before last, and he, uh, he he's reaching out. He's wanting to cross over. He sees his mother. He sees his family on the other side. So we got to singing, and he hadn't said a lot in a couple hours, and we were singing, and I just kept singing for two or three hours, and he started shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah. So, but it's my prayer that... Uh, the Lord have his will, because he suffered. Amen. And lift up Brother Dale also. Amen. Yes, turn the light. How about now? Our, our minds and our thoughts are definitely with the family there at the hospital trying to get situated. So let's, um, as we turn to Revelation chapter 5, let's 
let's uh, remember them in prayer. I know Brother Ryan's already prayed for them, but let's do it again. Well, great, God, we're so grateful to be able to gather together tonight. Lord Jesus, around your word, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we're so great, glad, Lord, that you, you've given us a sacrifice. You've given us an atonement, Lord God, that we can, that everything, every redemptive blessing is laying there in that atonement. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we just claim your blood, Lord Jesus, and lay all of your promises, Lord, at your feet. Amen. Lord, remind you of the things that you said unto us, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you just move upon the scene for them there, there in the hospital, Lord, and find them a room, Lord, and just lay the path out clear, Lord. Just everything will work out exactly the way it should, Lord Jesus. You'll be with them, Lord, and give them a special blessing. Give us a special blessing here tonight, Lord Jesus, as we look into your word, Lord Jesus, and as we study these things out, Lord God, as we, Lord, as we speak these things, Lord God, surely, Lord, we, Lord, we would, we would be lacking something without you to move among us, Lord Jesus, without your spirit to quicken these words to us, Lord Jesus. And we just ask, Lord God, that you'll just bless it now to us, Lord, in this little place, Lord Jesus. We, we're reminded of your promises, Lord, where you said where the twos and the threes are gathered together in your name, that you would be there in our midst. So, Lord, surely we know that tonight, Lord, you're in our midst. As we look into your word, Lord Jesus, we have confidence, Lord Jesus, of all the promises that you gave to us. We have confidence in what you did for us, Lord Jesus, and we have confidence in what you're doing now, Lord, by the, by the, by the power of the Holy Ghost moving in our lives and moving in our midst, Lord Jesus. We just ask your blessing upon these things now in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Now I was I was kind of thinking what to what to talk about tonight. Maybe this maybe this will be just a little a little brief lesson. And but I was I was thinking about um, I certainly enjoyed Brother Andrew's message on, on Sunday, and and I maybe just really want to continue that thought. I think there's a short. All right. Okay. Okay, sounds good. That'll do it. Thank you. So, uh, just want to continue uh, what brother maybe uh, the the kind of thought that brother brother Andrew was bringing out on Sunday Sunday morning, and just speak to you this morning uh, the topic we have a lamb and read from Revelation chapter five. All right, now tonight, aren't you glad that we've got a lamb? That uh, we've got a lamb that that died for us, that that paid the price for us when we weren't worthy, when we couldn't do it. We've got a lamb that we can look to. So in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open up the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. You may be seated, the Lord, at his blessing to the reading of the word. <clears throat> now, you really, you think about what a sublime scripture that is, that there's nobody worthy to open up the book. Now, you think about really what that means. Now, when you think about it, now, that, if, that, if, if you can read the Bible, and understand it. And if you can read and understand, as we're supposed to be able to do in this day, the seven seals and understand all these deep mysteries, then that proves that something spiritual has happened, that something supernatural has happened. 
And maybe we'll just take our time this morning and just talk to you. Revelation, as we were studying these things out uh, the last few times that I, I preached from Revelation uh, chapter 4, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, uh, John, John saw, uh, he, he's looking at all the, the church ages laid out, and then in Revelation chapter 4, he, got, he, he hears that voice calling them up. And he sees the, that, that, uh, that scene laid out in front of him, one set on the throne, one sitting on the throne, and he's seeing the vision of one sitting there on the throne. And then in Revelation chapter 5, you see the Lamb come forth from the throne and, and take that book. And, and, and here we're reading this, uh, as we read these scriptures, it's talking about, it's asking the question, the strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open up the book? And Brother Brandon will say, now you speak about unworthiness. There's not anybody on earth that's worthy to open up that book and, and even, or even look at it, not even worthy to look at it. Now, you, he said, you speak about unworthiness, not even worthy to look at it. No man, nowhere, no man, nowhere that you could find anywhere that's worthy to look at that book. So if, if you want to understand it, some, something's got to happen, right? Something's got to happen. Something's got to take place for you to be able to look at these things. For you, because somebody's going to be able to understand it, right? Amen. Somebody's going to be able to understand these things. Right. And Brother Ram will say, if there's no one that is worthy, how can we ever hope to see what is written in this book? Now, you see what a sublime thing this is that's laid out for us, that John was concerned. I, you know, you look across the land today, and it seems like there's not really that many people that are concerned anymore. But I think John, could, we could learn a lot from John that he was, he was really concerned Oh, he began to look and see that there was no man worthy to open up that book. And he began to grieve and began to cry and began to weep that no man was open, worthy to open up that book. And you think, you know, Brother Branham and, and even Brother Dale, when he preached the seals and things, he, he would, would kind of belabor the point that, well, John had walked with Jesus. John had been there on the day of Pentecost. He knew he was born again. Why would he weep like that? Now, you think about that, all these things that are laying there in the Scripture that, that John knew that there was something special tied in, tied in with the opening of the seals that they had to be opened. Now, think, think this morning. Think why the seals have to be opened. We've got all these, we've got all these uh, loved ones that have gone on. Can you all hear me okay? All right. Just, I see some weird looks. I just want to make sure you can, you can understand. What was I saying? <laughs> We've got many loved ones and things that have, have passed on and gone beyond the grave. And, and, and if something doesn't happen, then if so, oh, you look around the world and you see all the, uh, the garbage heaps that are piled up and all the, uh, the trash that's going into the ocean and the, the filth that's uh, all, all in all the cities all around, if something doesn't happen, then there's got to be something happen to clean off the earth. There's got to be something to happen to bring the dead saints from the ground. There's got to be something to happen in, in the lives of you and I to give us confidence that we are going to go in the rapture. To give us confidence, to give us a, a place where we can really stand and tell the devil boo. To know that the devil is nothing but a bluff. To see the end of iniquity and all these things. To really see the path that God has taken us on to bring us to a place where, where these things can be open to us and we can have an understanding. 
Now, Brother Branham would say, and he'd say in the, in the breach between the seven church ages and the seven seals, he'd say, you know, in visions, you cannot reveal things until you are permitted to reveal them. Now, now let's, just, let's just meditate on that now. There comes a time, there comes a, all, all down through history, people have probed and really wanted to see these things, but it just wasn't time yet. But then there comes a time a time after, after, oh, you think maybe uh, like the church has been moving, like the, the, when, when Ezekiel saw the four cherubims with the wheel in the middle of the wheel rolling, and that brother, brother Adam said that was them traveling, traveling on a journey. But there comes a time at the end of the journey when the thing, the thing that's in the boxcar can be revealed. What's really in the boxcar? What's been sealed in there? After the travel, after the journey, and see what Brother Adam's saying here. He said the breach between the seven churches and the seven seals. He said, you know, in visions you cannot reveal things until you are permitted to reveal them. How many times have you all heard me say, go into a house, perhaps a hat be laid here, and this certain child or so forth will not be healed until that is laid over here. I cannot tell them or neither can I move it there. It's got to be moved in some other way. Somebody else has to take it and move it and everything in order, then it can be revealed. Now, see, everything's got to be in order. That's why, you know, sometimes it perplexes us in our mind when we see what we know that are mature Christians that have come to a place and yet it looks like they're going down in their body and, and maybe, maybe the Lord will take them off the sea. Well, think about Brother Branham. We know he, we know he came to adoption. That's what we believe. And, and they were standing there at his grave watching him be lowered, his casket lowered in the ground. And you wonder, well, how could this be? A man that came to maturity, adoption. Well, come on now. Let's catch it. We've all got to come. All of the bride got to come to that place of maturity, adoption. We've all got to come to that place. Oh, and then we all come to that place. Then something's going to happen. So let's don't get discouraged when you look around. And, you, you know, I was thinking about Brother Perry Green uh, telling about uh, how discouraged it seemed like everybody was when they were watching uh, Brother Branham. It looked like everything was over. Think about the disciples when it looked like everything was over when, when they lowered, put Jesus in that grave and rolled the tomb over it. Oh, but that wasn't the end of the story. That wasn't the end of the story. Why? Why do I know that it's not the end of the story? Because we got a lamb. We got a lamb they can open up the book and it's not based on our worthiness it's not our worthiness that we're standing here that we're coming to church tonight but it's his worthiness he is the one that has made us worthy now you, you see there's somebody he says somebody else has to take it and a little hat and move it and everything in order then it can be revealed like that time that brother Branham was in that uh that little sister's house that he went to pray for early on in his ministry and he 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 goofed up and, and, and he had to wait for that hat to be placed exactly where it needed to be. And see, how that's what he's trying to get us. Everything's got to be in order. So let's wait, wait, like Paul said. We're running a race. We're running a race. Let's be patient and wait for things to fall in order. I think where we're waiting on, we're wait, not waiting on Jesus Christ, but we're waiting on one another for us to fall in order for all of the different ones all around the world to fall in place, to, to get right in position with the Word, to be in subjection with the Word where God has just totally claimed our lives. Now, there's a time, there's a time when the thing can be revealed, but we got to wait and be patient and keep moving. But when the time comes, when the time comes, it's time for the revealing. 
Now that's why, oh, you think now, this is really an encouraging thing to say. That's why we come to church, because we're wanting revelation. That's why we come to church. That's why we, through life, we put up with things. That's why we, we deal with things. We deal with one another. We deal with things, people at work and different things. We're, 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 there's a goal in front of us that we're trying to achieve. That's why we press on. That's why we don't back down or turn around. That's why we keep moving forward. Like Paul encouraged us in the book of Hebrews. You keep moving forward toward the mark of the high calling in Christ. And don't give up. And don't back down. And let's be zealous like John was when he began to see that somebody's, how could, somebody's got to be able to open up this book. I, I need somebody that's worthy. I, I think maybe tonight that's what our hearts should be crying out for. I, I, I need a lamb. And if you need a lamb, you've come to the right place because this is where we talk about a lamb. We talk about the lamb that was shed for us once for all. And there's a promise laying in the Bible that the time will come for the lamb to take the book. The time will come for that lamb to take the book. Now, you see, we're not waiting now. We're not waiting for a date on the calendar as the years roll by and the months roll by. It seems like the older you get, the, the faster the years roll by. Seems like it just gets faster and faster, doesn't it? We're already at the end of this year, but we're not waiting for a date on the calendar. We're waiting. What are we waiting on? He said, we're not waiting on Jesus. We're, God is waiting on us. We're waiting on growth, maturity. So that's what I'm talking about tonight. When, when these things are opened up to you, it is a sign that something is taking place in the church. Something is taking place in the bride. Something that's supernatural has taken place in your character, in your life. Now, that's what I'm talking about tonight. That, that God, you come to a place where God is confident with your character, that he's confident with what he sees in you, that you've been inspected like that boxcar that has got to be inspected. It's got to be inspected before it can be sealed up. Your character, your revelation grows and grows precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, until God has confidence in you. Oh, think this this afternoon. We're, we're not here this afternoon just to, for personalities to, to see one another. We're not here in this building for, for religious order to see stained glass windows or something. We're not here for comfort or for wealth. We're not here for plush seats and tailored worship and coffee, coffee pots and big names and buildings. But what we've gathered here this afternoon for is for revelation that is the most important thing in the life of any christian any born again christian that's really that's really you oh you come to a place where that's all you want is revelation oh that was what john wanted when he saw that there was no man worthy to open up that book that's what he wanted he wanted to look at that book he wanted to see what that book said because that book had something to say about his redemption it had something to say about himself. And I tell you what it had to say. It had something to say about his Lord and Savior. The only one that could open up that book was the one that wrote it. Oh, you see, if you can read that book, that shows that something has happened to you, that you've got a relationship with the one that wrote it. And the only one that could wrote it has revealed it to you. And the revelation of Jesus Christ, he said, Brother Ram said, oh, how we need revelation by the Spirit. We don't need a new Bible. We don't need a new translation. Though some are very good, and I am not against them. But we need the revelation of the Spirit. 
And he said, and thank God we can have what we need, for God wants to reveal his word to us by his spirit. Now, that should encourage us all tonight to know that maybe if we're in a place where we don't see things clearly, if we don't see like we're looking through a lattice like Solomon talked and, we, and it's like we, things aren't quite in, in perspective yet, that there's a promise here that God wants to reveal his word to us. Now, now you go back and you listen to how Brother, Brother Dale used to preach these things, and he would compare, he would compare your adoption time. When, when you were birth, first seeking the new birth, you didn't come haphazard and say, well, I'm just going to, it, it's got to be my way or the highway, but you come groaning and grieving and, and on your knees and standing praying at night and pacing back and forth and listening to this preacher and listening to that preacher, and you didn't just come haphazard but you were after something and you're not going to come to a place of adoption on just some kind of haphazard it's going to be something within you groaning and something searching and something wanting God and more of God there's something where you you've got to have more of God like John looking at this place I need it I need God you, you think you're going to come to a place of adoption just kind of haphazard going into church and sitting there and just falling asleep all the time and that won't produce nothing but you've got to come sincerely sincerely wanting something from God and expecting that God will reward you oh it's the hour for that my friend it's the hour where God wants to see a sincere zealous heart somebody that's laboring and crying in the middle of the hour somebody that knows that God is able to reveal it and Brother Adam said this seven-sealed book is revealed at the time of the seven thunders of Revelation 10. He said in, in Isaiah chapter 40, he said, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Who those that wait, wait upon the Lord. Because this seven-sealed book is revealed at the time of the seven thunders of Revelation 10. So the church has been waiting for that time. Now I believe, I believe the time is here just generally for the bride, but I believe that time is for here for, for you specifically. Those of you that have been labored in the message for years and decades, Oh, surely, surely the word has continued to be opened up to you. The word has been building and building. And you see, oh, uh, you see, God has put a, a place, a promise in the word where maybe you wondered for years and years if exactly where you are in the scripture. But there's a promise here in the Bible that when these things open up to you, oh, that'll, that will give you confidence. You see, that's, that's why we're pressing on toward the seven seals. The seven seals must be open. To the bride in this day, because that will give you confidence that you know where you stand with God, that you know that you have been born again and something has taken place in your life, and you know that. Oh, I'll say, I'll echo the words of Brother Dale from years ago when, when the seven seals are really open to you, you will know that you are not going to die. That's why the seals must be open open to you. And we're speaking this afternoon about a book that is promised to be open. It is promised to be open. We've got this promise laying here that this book can be open and will be open to the bride in the, in the, in the end times. It was open in Revelation 10. 
In Revelation 10, it says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his, little hand, in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Now here in, in one place in Revelation 5, it was closed here and sealed, but here in Revelation 10, it's open. It's been opened. And he said, since that time of the sealing we're getting into tonight, now the book's open. Now really what we're talking about tonight, how did it open if no man was worthy? How did it open if no man was worthy? Because you got to, before you can look at it, before you can understand it, you got to understand how did it open. How is it going to open up to you? How did it open? Brother Ram said, well, if we're reading Revelation 2, chapter 10, if we just keep reading, I'm just going to read some scripture here and just walk through the scripture. He had in his hand the little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Now, he, Brother Bram would say, Now that's what we don't know. That's yet to be revealed. It's not in Holy Script what them thunders say. When he was preaching it, he said, we don't know when he preached the breach sermon. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hands to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created the heavens and the things that therein are and the earth and the things therein are and there should be time no longer. Watch, here's a verse I want to get to, Brother Ram said. But in the day of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophet. Now it says, when he shall begin to sound. Now, Brother Brown preached. We believe that he is the seventh angel that he's talking about. He preached and he preached and he preached. But the seven seals were not opened up at the beginning of his ministry. They were opened up at the end. When he began to preach and to fulfill what God, his commission, Malachi 4, 5, 6, that his message would turn the hearts of the children back to the original faith of the Pentecostal fathers when he should begin to sound. Now, when he shall begin to sound means when his ministry, his message begin to sound, not when he started to preach, but when his message begin to sound. The mystery of the seven sealed book will be revealed at the sounding of the seven church angels' message. Not the, Brother Ram would say, not the years in preparation, not them, those years back in the beginning when he, was, he didn't really understand things, not when he was just a little baby, we'll say, not the years in preparation, but when he begins to sound the message, when he begins to sound the message what didn't, didn't occur at the beginning of his life, but at the end there, at the beginning of that last three and a half years, when he begins to sound the message, these mysteries then will be revealed. The seventh angel begins to sound, and there's the messages wrote out there. And we got it in tape in book form. Now, if the message, if the seven seals were revealed there at the end of his life, <clears throat> at the culmination of his life, the crowning of his life, what about the crowning of your life? Not the end of your life, like the right before you go down in the grave or something like that. 
Every promise, you go back through every promise in the Bible, right there at, at, after Abraham walked with God for 25 years and hung on, and there, there at the end, something happened. He, he, he met Melchizedek, and, and Melchizedek lingered with him and began to open up these things and showed him all these promises. Oh, you follow every promise in the Bible. There, oh, David, David was anointed by Samuel there at the beginning, but there at the end, he went through three anointings. He was anointed by the tribe of Judah, and there, uh, 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 anointed by all of Israel there at the end. Something happened there at the end. Something happens there at the end. What, what, what end are you talking about? I'm talking about your adoption. Adoption time when you grow and grow and there at the end, God opens up something special to you. Not at the beginning of his ministry was it opened up, but at the conclusion. Oh, what was opened up to him? The complete book of redemption. What was open, so that you, so that he could preach it to you and I, and you and I could see what he saw. Amen. What is this book of redemption that we're talking about tonight? Brother Ram would say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the book of redemption. He was the Word, and He is the Word, and that's bound to be Him. You see, so this is the whole book of redemption, which is Jesus Christ, fitly put together by God with the promises of redemption and healing and everything for the human being. That's why revelation is the most important thing to a Christian because revelation reveals Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. When you read the Bible, you see more of Jesus Christ. That's the evidence of the new birth is the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you, as you walk, you see more and more of him, and that gives you confidence. So, as, you, as the word is revealed to you, it transforms your life. It changes your character. And as the word is revealed to you and it opens up to you, it's actually claiming your life. As the word is revealed, it's opening up more and more to you of who Jesus Christ is. That's what Brother Branham said, the new birth. He said, what is the new birth then? You'd say, well, Brother Branham, what is the new birth? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. See, not you joined a church. You shook a hand. You've done something different. You said a creed, you promised to live by a code of rules, but Christ, the Bible, he is the word that was revealed to you. And no matter what anybody else says, what takes place, it's Christ, pastor, priest, whatever it might be, it's Christ in you. That is the revelation that the church was built on. Oh, where is this in the Bible, Brother Bob? In Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I, I think this afternoon, maybe if that confuses you a little bit, we can take faith and swap it for revelation. We can take revelation and swap it for faith. Faith is a revelation. And revelation is faith. And those two things are really the same thing. So if you've got faith, it's because God has revealed something to you. And what did he reveal to you? He revealed himself to you. When you need healing, he reveals that he is a healer and that you've got the thing that you were hoping for and now you've got it because it's revealed to you and that becomes a substance. It is a substance because it's a revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. You see him when you read the Bible. It's transformed beyond just something that's in your head, some head knowledge, and now it's in your heart and you know it because he's shown it to you. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm preaching about 
about the seven seals. When God reveals it to you, you've got it. It's something that passes beyond all hopes. Oh, that's, you say, well, Brother Bob, what is the difference between hope and faith? Faith is not something you're just looking for. Faith is when God reveals it to you and you've got the thing that you were hoping for because God has revealed it to you. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. He that believeth, he that understandeth. When God reveals it to you and you understand because God has personally shown it to you, the author of the Bible has revealed it to you and shown a big old flashlight on it, then you, you know that it's true then. Oh, that's the evidence that you have passed from death unto eternal life. So that's why Romans chapter 10 says, Faith cometh by hearing. Now listen to the way this is worded. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You can sit there in church every day of your life and hear the, uh, the word will be preached, but unless you hear it, it will never bring faith. So the question is, do you hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? And you'll never be able to hear without that lamb that I'm talking about. You'll never be able to hear without an atonement applied to your life where you have accepted what Jesus Christ did for you and accepted it and believed it and had it applied to your life like they did there in Egypt where they applied the blood over the lintel of their door and they believed what God had done. Faith cometh by hearing. Can you hear? Can you hear? Oh, when you, when you hear the preaching of the gospel, does it excite you or does it bore you? When you hear the preaching of the word, do you really, can you hear between the letter, between the, the lines, do you hear God actually speaking to you and opening it up to you? Do you hear what the Spirit is saying to you? Can you hear? Because if you can hear, Oh, if you can read the Bible in a different way, read it by the lens of the Holy Ghost, then you're reading it different than the whole rest of the world can read because you've got an ear, you've got an eyesight, you've got the, the, the veil has been pulled away from your eyes where you can read. You're reading it different. Revelation chapter 3, the promise to the Laodicean church, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. <coughs> promise to all the church ages. He that hath an ear, because if you can hear, if you can hear, that will produce faith. Right, right. This book will be understood at the end. Brother Bram said this book of redemption will not be thoroughly understood. It's probed at through six church ages. But at the end, at the end, when the seventh angel begins to sound his mystery, he winds up all of the loose ends that these fellows probed at. And the mysteries comes down from God as the word of God and reveals the entire revelation of God. Oh, look at this pattern at the end. At the end, when every mystery is finished, when every mystery is finished in the church ages, every loose end is tied up. When every mystery is tied up in your life, when all the loose ends are tied up, all the things that you wondered about, is it the Trinity? Is, is there such a thing as eternal hell? Uh, how, do we be, how, do we, how should we be baptized? When all these things are tied up, all the loose ends, the book of redemption will be understood. I'm talking about understanding tonight because an eagle will understand. 
Oh, you realize that promise. You, you got to be like that eagle that looked down at that little squirrel just to chatter and away. The days of miracles are past. The days of miracles are past, like Brother Ram said. And what does an eagle do? What's an eagle's response to that? I don't care. I don't care what you say. An eagle, oh, you, can, you go through all the life of all the, the bullies and all the picking and all the different things. People saying, well, you're prideful. People saying this and that. People making fun. People saying, well, I don't think you got the Holy Ghost. I don't think you really believe the truth. I don't think that you really have to dress the way that you dress. I don't think that this and that and all those things. Oh, but God's bringing us to a place of perfect rest and peace in him. Why? Where does it come from? From Revelation. Revelation. And Brother Ram said we see that this seven-sealed book now is the mystery of redemption. It's a book of redemption from God. He said the seven seals holds the mystery of the book until we can see what those seven seals has sealed in. We're only presuming them things. <coughs> we are sure to miss the thing unless it is absolutely, genuinely revealed by the Holy Spirit and vindicated the same. So what we can understand is that we need, we need God to understand these things. There's no way to understand without God. There's no way to understand, but if you do understand. That, see, that's the, that's the thing. God wants us to understand. And when the book is open, then you can have confidence that something supernatural has happened. We need a lamb. The book is completely sealed up. Brother Ramon said the book is absolutely sealed. Do you see it? The book is absolutely a sealed book until the seven seals is broken. It is sealed up with seven seals. What's sealed up? What is it all about? What is this book about? Well, that's sealed up. How does the book open? That's sealed up. What is redeemed? What is the thing that's redeemed? It's sealed up. How is it redeemed? It's sealed up. What takes place? It's sealed up. Who did the redeeming? How did it work? How, how did all these things fit together? It's all sealed up. He said it was closed here in Revelation is the fifth chapter. And in Revelation is the tenth chapter. It is open. <coughs> and Brother Brown said in the message to breach, he said, now we're going to see what the book says about how it become open. Now, I, surely that tonight, that piques our attention. Wouldn't we like to know how the book became open? He said, it is not made known until the lamb takes the book and breaks the seals and opens the book. See, the lamb's got to take the book. It's his. The lamb's got to take the book. If it's his book and he's the one that wrote it and it's sealed up and no man is worthy, he's the only one that can take the book, the lamb's got to take the book. That's why we need a lamb. The lamb is the only one that's worthy. That's why we got to have a lamb. We need the lamb. Brother Ram would say we're depending on him. And we will see later it is at the end time when time has run out. No denomination has a right for the interpretation of the book. No man has a right to interpret it. That's why when we stand up behind this platform, this podium, we don't come with our own ideas. We're coming straight to preach the word, not our own ideas and our opinions, our, our politics and some grievance that we have, some petty grievance against somebody in the church or some idea that we have, but we're coming to preach the word of God. That because why? We come for revelation. You know, that's what draws people to church is revelation. That's why we've come here is revelation. It is the lamb who interprets it and the lamb is the one who speaks it. And the lamb makes the word to be known by vindicating 
and bringing the word to life. But in the last stage, all these mysteries are to be solved and handed out. Now, that's a pretty big promise, that all the mysteries are to be solved and handed out, and the seals are to be opened by the Lamb and revealed to the church, and then time is no more. <coughs> what, what is a seal anyway? A seal, when you seal up a letter, it shows where it came from. A seal shows ownership. A seal, oh, oh when you're sealed by the Holy Ghost, it shows that you are God's. Right. Ownership, that in Ephesians chapter 1 it says, And whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And that proves that God has done something in your life. He's cut off all your sins. He's, 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 he's forgiven you of all your sins. He's cleaned you up and he's sealed you in. He's sealed your soul to show that your soul, the redemption process of your soul is finished. It's done. And it shows that he's claimed you. Your soul is his, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. It's the, it's the down payment until everything is accomplished in your life until the redemption of the whole purchased possession, until the praise, unto the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a seal, and to that individual, when he receives the Holy Spirit, and his time of groaning is over. See, because it is a finished work. No more groaning when you're sealed. Oh, there's a lot of groaning and crying when you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but when you're sealed, when God seals you in, through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, all that groaning and striving is done, and now you're resting in him. You're resting like Ruth did. When she was resting, Boaz got up and Ruth laid down. Boaz got up and went to work, and you're just resting, and in, in, you're resting in what he did. You're resting in the fact that he's the only one that's worthy, and you don't have to do anything. You're resting <coughs> like a boxcar that gets sealed up. It's, sealed, it's inspected. It's packed in, it's sealed up, and it's sealed up to its destination. Now at the end, at the destination, they look and see what's on the inside. The inspector shuts the door, and the inspector places a seal upon it, and then nobody can break that seal, that boxcar seal, until it reaches its destination. And Brother Brown said that's what the Holy Spirit's been doing. See, he goes and he inspects. That's the reason you can't have these things. And you say, I spoke in tongues and I shouted and I danced in the spirit. That don't have nothing to do with it. See, the Holy Spirit inspects that person <coughs> until he's thoroughly satisfied and knows that they are. Then they are sealed until their eternal destination. <clears throat> There's not nothing can ever break that seal. So what's that seal he's talking about? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seals you. And he says, when the seventh seal is broken, the mystery of God that's sealed in these mysterious seals is finished. Until the day that seal is broken, then it's revealed what's on the inside of it. If the man's wondering, now listen, if the man's wondering what's in that boxcar, you say, it's supposed to be such and such. It's supposed to be a real born-again believer. That's what it's supposed to be. But if you're just presuming, he said it's presuming. But when the seal is broken and the door is open, we see into it then and see exactly what's in there. And that'll only be done at the end time. Uh, well, what a great thing to know what's in that boxcar. Oh, you see why the seals have to be opened up? 
the seals will give you rapture and faith. The seals have to be opened up to you, to the bride, for the dead in Christ to rise from the ground. Oh, that's why, oh, in this hour, we are predestinated. We are called to preach the deep things of God. It's, it's great to go into a camp meeting and, and preach, you know, just kind of nice, a, a good come to Jesus meeting where, where people come to the Lord and give their hearts to the Lord. But there's going to come a time where the church doors will close and there won't be any more coming in. But the bride will be preaching then to the totally lost and will be coming to a place, oh, we'll, we'll, I, I believe surely by then we'll, we'll know where we stand with Christ. We'll know. This book is sealed, and you are sealed with the book until the day of redemption. And something, that's what we're groaning for. That's something in us is groaning and crying for that full redemption. <coughs> Brother Ram said, I'm going to, uh, well, I, I guess we kind of got time. I'm, in Romans chapter 8, he said, for we, uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Like, now, like, do you, did you notice that was Brother Andrew was preaching on Sunday? Well, you're groaning. And when a child, you're, you're groaning, something's being delivered. Now, when your deliverance comes, then you're happy. You can, now you can rest. You can hold the baby. The baby's there. But when, before that, you're groaning. You're groaning. And what are we travailing for? We're travailing to see Christ fully made manifest in us before you're born again in sanctification you're groaning and travailing to see Christ manifest you want to be him see him born in you and, and now as we grow in grace and knowledge of that stature of perfect man we're groaning and travailing again going through a higher form of sanctification something is groaning in us as the word is being manifested in us pushing out nature brother Ryan said nature is groaning we are groaning everything is groaning because we realize there's something not right Oh, oh, surely we can, we can see that. We're not right yet. There's something not right. And the only way, oh, now listen to this. The only way you can groan and wait for it is because there has been new life coming here that speaks of a new world. <coughs> oh, that proves that something supernatural has taken place in you when you are zealous for the word. When you want that word, oh, I remember when I first come to the Lord, I'd sit in church meetings and I'd get a headache. It, it, the devil would attack me. I wanted it so bad. I would sit there, and, and I'm not saying this to be boastful of myself. It's a fact. I wanted it. I wanted the word, and that's how any born-again believer should be. You want the word, and that's how any preacher should be, too. You want to preach the word, not to stay down and like little pity-patty things, but to grow up where you can preach the real. That's what I want to do. I want to preach some real meat because eagles want real meat. That's what an eagle wants. They want some real meat, and the meat that I'm talking about is it's adoption time meat. Meet where we come and we begin to realize where we are positionally placed, where we can realize that the devil don't have any weapons, that he's a bluff, where we can see the end of our iniquity that we're talking about, where we can see what that sword in the hand of that second rider really symbolizes, where we can see what these four beasts really symbolizes. Now that's the meat that'll give a real bride confidence in where she stands in the hour that she's living in. Now, Brother Brown would say, you don't groan unless there's a reason for it. There's a reason for our groaning. He said, did you ever notice how a tree struggles for life? It wants to live. And you notice the animal, how in death, how it struggles. You notice a human being, 
Everything nature is groaning. We and ourselves are groaning. We know that there's something wrong. We see from these verses that something has been lost, <coughs> both to man and earth. Creation of all type has lost something, for we see from this inspired word that it's groaning for some reason. What is it? It's trying to get back to its original condition. And that's the secret that's laying there in that seven-sealed book, the secret of restoration, the secret of full redemption of the earth and of you, the individual, the individual first and then the earth following because we're going to, this earth is going to be redeemed so that we can come and live on it. But before this whole earth is fully redeemed, our earth is going to be redeemed. And that is the mystery that's laying there in that seven seal book. He said, we know it was eternal life they had fallen from and they lost their claims on eternal life by the fall of Adam and Eve who fell from eternal life. <coughs> I, I know it's Wednesday night, so y'all just listen with your eyes closed. It's fine. I, I, I don't, I really, I don't mind. Just, just as long as you listen, just listen. Close your eyes and relax and just listen. That's fine. A tree, he said a tree never died before Adam. An animal wouldn't die before Adam. And there's only one thing that cannot die. And that's God because he's eternal. And that's the only way we can ever keep from dying. We have to have eternal life in us to be sons and daughters of God. But when we died to sin, we sold out our birthright and crossed this chasm. Now we're beyond the reach of God on this other side of the chasm. Adam had completely supreme control of the earth. He was a God of the earth. He could speak, he could name, he could say, he could stop nature, he could do anything he wanted to. See, but when he did that, when he just took what, what the serpent told Eve and listened to his wife. When he did that, he lost his inheritance. Now the forfeited title deed is now in the hands of the original owner, Almighty God. Now that's that scene that John's looking at in Revelation 4. One sat on the throne. The title deed to the earth and to eternal life when Adam forfeited it, then Satan's dirty hands could not take it so it went back to its original owner, God himself. So God himself has the title deed to your redemptive rights. Every redemptive right that you can have. The promise of to be, to be, what is it, to be the God of the earth. A God, a God of the earth. Like Adam, that could speak and the winds would be still to speak and a mountain be moved. That's why these promises are laying here in the scripture that if you say to a mountain, I don't doubt in your heart. Why? Because that is what you were predestinated for. From it, Back in the back part of God's mind, that's the kind of person that God wanted you to be, a faith-filled person that when you speak to a mountain, that it obeys you. When you speak to the winds and the waves, that it obeys you. That you could speak by faith and believe that God would stop the rain from falling and it would obey you. That you could lay your hands on your wife in the dead of night and pray for her and the sickness would leave that something would happen when you pray because of faith. And what is faith? A revelation. Because God has revealed to you some aspect of himself. <coughs> Brother Ram said there he sits on the throne with it in his hand. He sits on the throne with it. The title deed. He said, oh, that makes me feel religious, friends. Now, you, when these things really sink down into your heart, that's what make that's what will make a believer cry in the car and shout in the shower 
and praise God where they're going in the walk in the morning is when God begins to reveal himself to you and open up to you the things that are just laying here on the page. Oh, that's why we need the Spirit because the Spirit is what gives the essence of the Word. Did you realize even as I'm speaking to you, the Spirit in which it's conveyed gives it the meaning. The Spirit is what gives it the essence of the meaning. And when God's Spirit quickens to you, it's revealed to you. Brother Ram said, what's it doing? And the hands of God waiting for redemption claims he made a way of redemption. He made a way back and someday the Redeemer is to take it back. You see where we're getting to now? He said, we'll watch this fellow sitting on the throne. What is this book of redemption? It's this abstract title deed. An abstract shows the lean history, ownership history, all the problems with being able to claim it, all the encumbrances. And what else it says, uh, 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 an abstract deed shows, us, shows the details of it. I, I thank God when God reveals to you his word, it shows all the details of what you've got access to. It shows every detail uh, laid out there, how it works, how it happens. And Brother Adam said, it's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve, that you possess everything that Adam and Eve lost. That's what is in this seven-sealed book, that everything that they lost is given back to you. All that, that should make, that should make anybody want to shout. That everything they lost is given back to you. When you can see it, when you can understand. He said that possession of that deed, Adam could not meet the requirements of redemption after he found he lost it. He needed redemption himself, so he could not do it. <clears throat> now we're getting, we're getting to the close. How has the book come open? <clears throat> he couldn't do it, but the law required a kinsman redeemer. <clears throat> What's a kinsman redeemer? Somebody to buy back everything that was lost. A kinsman redeemer to bring you back to your possession to make you holy, to cover you like Boaz did. Oh, all of Ruth's, all of her history, all her past, when, when Boaz threw that covering over her, it covered all of that. To cause you to rest, to cease from your labor. So that's why we need a lamb tonight. That's what I'm preaching about. That, that's why we need a lamb. We need a lamb, and when you've got a lamb, then the lamb makes you worthy. The lamb makes you worthy to read the book. The man, not your own worthiness, not your own righteousness, but it's what he did. He's the one that paid the price for you. He's the one that gave you the Holy Ghost. Now, come on now. When he gave you the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just for to, just to, to play around with, but he gave it to you for a purpose, right. to understand this word, to understand him, to have a relationship with him, to know him. Oh, we've got somebody that paid the price for us. We've got somebody that covered us, that paid it all for us to change us. That's why Brother Ram preached those messages about being changed, that this word, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ will have an effect in your life. It will change you and make you different and sanctify you. And he said man was without a way back, and there's no way for him to get back. He was gone, but the grace of God met this kinsman redeemer in the person of Jesus Christ. Law required it, and grace, grace met its requirements. God's law required an innocent substitute, but who was innocent? Everybody on earth was born of a woman. There's only one man. Well, Adam was born without sexual desire, but then he went away from God's word and caused all of the mess that we're in. 
But there was only one man, Jesus Christ, that was born like he was, virgin born. And that's what Brother Ram said. Every man had been born sexual after sex, every one. And the only one that wasn't had forfeited the rights. Now, now you think, well, just be go for just a few more minutes. Every mystery of the Bible lays in these seals. The mystery of the whole book is in them sealed. That's why when the mystery is open, you can trace every mystery all the way through the Bible. That's why when you find out that you need a lamb, you find out Abel needed a lamb too. And when, when Cain saw that his sacrifice was accepted, that's where he, he got real upset because Abel, by revelation, knew he needed a lamb. And when the lamb met the requirement, it covered all of Abel's sins. And it will cover all of your sins too and make you worthy to read the book. Not in your own worth. Now, listen, if you're drawing back on me, I will, I've got a quote from Brother Dale where Brother Dale said these exact words, the lamb makes you worthy. So don't draw back on me. I, I'm telling, I'm preaching what's been preached. <laughs> I'm preaching what Andrew Glover preached. I'm preaching what Brother Dale has preached for years. I'm preaching what's been laying in the message for years. I'm preaching, I'm preaching the, the mystery of these things that the lamb was sufficient to make you worthy. In Revelation chapter 5, it says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to open up the book? John said there was no man in heaven found worthy, no man on earth found worthy. No man beneath the earth that ever lived and died was found worthy. No man was found worthy, but John wept because if no one was worthy and could open this book of redemption, the whole creation was lost. You, you realize what that means? If no man was found worthy to open up that book, nobody's coming out of the grave. None of those saints that have gone on are ever going to live on this earth again. They're stuck where they are. The earth is stuck going off into chaos with all these sinners living on it that maybe drop bombs on it years from now or whatever, and, and there's nothing that can remedy the situation that the earth is in. All creation is lost if the seals are not opened up. Unless a lamb come forth and took that book and broke those seals, there was no hope. <coughs> And Brother Branham said that John represents the church. So he said if John here had to cry and weep and he represented the church because he was going up in the rapture, then the whole church was concerned here looking for a lamb. And I think that behooves us all to be concerned this afternoon. And one of the elders in verse 5 said, One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The lion has prevailed. But when John turned to look, he saw a lamb. He saw a lamb that had been in battle. You could tell he'd been in battle. He'd been slain, but he was alive again. He had been in battle. Why, why was he in battle? Why did he die on the cross? So that you could be righteous, holy, worthy. If there was any worthiness, it would have to be in that lamb. Where did it come from? It come from the Father's throne. Now, I know we're getting a little bit late on the Wednesday night service, but I'm just, I'm going to just get into this a little bit more. Y'all probably be upset with me by the end, but just bear with me a little bit long. That brother Bob, he always goes long. <coughs> John hadn't noticed this lamb before here. You know, he hadn't been mentioned before, but we, we, need, to, we need to understand where the lamb come from. 
to see this scene correctly. Where did that lamb come from? Where did he advance from in the vision? He come from glory where he's seated at the right hand of God. You know, when Peter on the day of Pentecost, he come from out of, that, out of the upper room and he began to preach in Acts chapter 2 and he began to quote Old Testament scriptures talking about that God was now seated somewhere. For David has not ascended into the heavens, but he saith unto himself, the, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. On the day of Pentecost, God took a seat. In the Old Testament, there was that mercy seat. Why was it called a seat? Because that's where God would sit. In Hebrews chapter 1, he said, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, after he cleaned us up, then he sat down. He sat down. And where did he sit down? In Hebrews chapter 10, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He set himself down. And Ephesians chapter 2 hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So now when you're born again, your soul is actually in, heavenly, in a heavenly place and is seated together with Christ. We're seated with him. In Revelation chapter 3, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He sat down in his father's throne now, but one day he'll take his own throne as the son of David. I'm so glad this afternoon that Jehovah God, that Jehovah of the Old Testament can come and sit down in a man's heart and claim him and change him and sanctify and fill him and sit down and take rulership over that man and sitting down, sitting down on the Father's throne in a man's heart. Isn't it strange? Isn't it strange that a, a simple lamb had to take our place, that he was the only one that was worthy? He'd been on his mediatorial work back there, but now he comes forth, comes forth from the Father's throne to take the book. I'll be cl I'm closing in just a moment. Brother Ram said, remember, he'd been on his mediatorial work back there. But remember, these seals are ready to be opened. And the Lamb come from the sanctuary of God, advanced forward. There's no blood on it no more, for the blood-covered Lamb has walked away. He said, he's the one that holds it. God's law required a kinsman redeemer, and the Lamb come out boldly. I am their kinsman. I am their redeemer. I now have made intercession for them. And now I've come to claim their rights for them. I've come to claim their rights and that they have a right to everything that lost in the fall. And I've paid the price. Oh, brother, don't it make you feel religious? Not by good works, which we have done, but by his mercy. It's his worthiness that we're depending on. As, as the musicians come forward, I'm, I'm going to read what Brother Dale said about this, just to clinch the matter. Let's, let's put the period on this. Brother Dale said, it's what he makes us. It's what he does. He's the one that makes us worthy to read the book. Only through that Holy Ghost that you'd have would you be able to read this book and understand what's being said. Then he makes us worthy to do it. I'm not worthy myself to take that. I don't care how good you live or how clean a life you live or what you do. You're not worthy to do it. But he comes and makes you worthy. He comes and lives in you. See, then he can read the book. Oh, you think about what a profound statement that is. That he can read the book when he makes you worthy.
Oh, when you study these things out, you'll find out when the lamb comes forth from the throne, that is that super anointing that the bride has been looking for. When the lamb comes forth from the throne, you begin to be identified. You can read the book different. What, what is, that's that story that, uh, that Brother Ram told, uh, that, that it's written there in the Bible where Jesus took the scroll of Isaiah and read from the book and identified himself. When you can read from the book and identify himself, that is that super anointing that we've been looking for, where you're resting on what God is revealing to you as he shows you where you are in the book. Aren't you glad this morning as we stand to our feet, aren't you glad that the price is paid? Aren't you glad that you've got a lamb? Let's worship the Lord. Upon life's boundless ocean where mighty billows roll, I fix my hope in Jesus, bless anchored of my soul. When trials and fears assail me, storms are gather old. I rest upon his mercy, trust him more. I've anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus, I fear no wind or wave. note from brother wade um sister sister johnny called and would like for us to pray for brother dale there at the church with a prayer cloth and leave it on the pulpit but for everyone to pray tomorrow at 12 o'clock for his healing he has not been put in the room yet so we are still waiting so let's pray for that too that they won't have to wait longer but they'll find him a room and we'll just let's just all go to prayer sincerely sincerely as I hold this prayer cloth and we'll leave this on the pulpit. Lord God, we're so grateful for the many promises that you've given unto us, Lord Jesus. And like Paul told us to do, we come boldly to the throne of grace, Lord Jesus, claiming all these things, 
forgetting not our benefits, Lord, that lay here in this word, Lord Jesus. Lord, surely you've given us the power and the ability to read the scripture differently, Lord God. And we come, with a, we come, Lord, with confidence, Lord Jesus, that you're a God that hears the prayers of the righteous, Lord Jesus. And as we join our faith together, Lord God, and we're crying out for our dear precious brother, Lord Jesus, we just ask, Lord, that you'll come upon the scene with a special blessing of comfort, a special blessing of healing, and a special blessing there in the hospital, Lord, for all of the ones that are gathered there with him, Lord Jesus, that you'll be with him now at this time, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll open up a, a, the door of a room, Lord, that they don't have to just sit there, Lord, in the hallway or on those hard chairs, Lord, any longer, Lord, that you just move upon the scene for them, Lord, and open up, Lord God, a, a place for him to be put, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll, Lord, give compassion to the doctors and the nurses there, that they'll treat him, Lord, right, Lord Jesus. They'll treat him like one of their, their maybe their own father, Lord Jesus. Lord, that you just move upon this scene for him, Lord God, as many times as he's prayed and labored for us, Lord Jesus, through the years, Lord. I pray, Lord, that now that you'll look upon all of his labors, Lord Jesus, and all of his sacrifices for us, and that you'll look upon him with compassion, Lord Jesus. For Lord, we've got a promise laying there in the scripture that, that our God is touched by the feelings of our infirmities, Lord, and surely we've got a God with empathy, Lord God, that we can rely on that you won't stand there looking with crossed arms and, Lord, stand off in the corner, Lord, but you'll Lord, we are an active God concerned with the things that we're going through, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as we lay this need before you, Lord, I pray that you'll anoint this prayer cloth, Lord Jesus, that where it's laid, Lord, your special blessing will follow and accompany it, Lord God, as we look to your word, Lord Jesus, and look to your promises. Lord, be with your people, Lord Jesus. You promised, Lord God, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You'll always be with us, that just the spirit of truth will lead and guide us, Lord God. And now we're looking at that kind of a promise here tonight, Lord Jesus, that you'll come upon the scene and fulfill your word for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, surely, Lord Jesus, if there be any needs, Lord God, as Lord, as we're about to close the service, I pray, Lord, that you'll minister it to any special need here laying in the congregation, Lord, amongst your people, Lord, as they look back to your word with faith, Lord Jesus, claiming the promises that are laying here, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you'll give us a special blessing as we go our different ways to our homes, Lord God. Be with us now tonight as we close the service. We ask this blessing in your name. Amen. God bless you, saints. Go with him. Sing it to him as you're dismissed.